0: Hey, it's Paulette again, and I'm honored to bring you another episode here on the Thriving in Chaos Project, now in its fourth season. I bring you resilient survivors, key resources, and experts in their fields to lighten the load and shine a light on the path forward from confusion to conclusion through all things divorce and transformation. So let's get started. I'm hosting a retreat in Belize. Some of you may know, but I used to live there. And Belize is a melting pot of culture that carries over into the food, the music, and the fun. It is the best of both vibes from jungles to ground you and beaches to heal and soothe. I live there for many years and go back and forth between there and Atlanta because I can't get enough. My co-host, Tiara, visited me and didn't want to leave either. No one does. This is paradise, folks. My co-host, Tiara, and I chatted about the perfect all-inclusive location for you ladies that are going through a pivot in your life and need to reset, renew, and rebuild, and we nailed it. We kick off with a three-day adventure in the luxurious eco-resort Capal Tree in the southern Belize jungle, followed by three luxurious days on Thatch Kay Island, a private island over water oceanfront oasis in the turquoise Caribbean along the Belize Barrier Reef. Whether you're going through or just coming out of a divorce especially with a narcissist, a career change, or you just want to get back to the parts of you that you haven't seen in a while, we are talking to you. Make note May 4th to the 10th, 2024, and start packing. Space is very limited on the private island and in the jungle. Be sure to act now. We have a passion for leading truly transformational healing events from heart-opening, accessible, guided meditations to connection-based, life-changing tools and practices. We curate each moment with care and compassion to ensure every lady is taken care of from the initial registration to the final namaste. It's better in Belize. Welcome to the... Thriving in Chaos Project. I am Paulette Rigo, your host, and for four years, I have been bringing to you experts in their fields as a resource, a depth of knowledge to help you really understand the entire breadth and depth of all things divorce, from contemplation to completion, and today is no different. Today, I bring to you Lisa Ziderman. She's a certified divorce financial analyst known as a CDFA love that, and a certified financial litigator known for her work on complex litigation regarding financial and custody divorce matters, as well as pre- and post-nuptial agreements in the New York City and Westchester County area. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project, Lisa. Thank you so
1: much, Corlette, for having me. I'm very excited
0: to be here. It's an honor because I'm telling you every day, and I do mean every day, people are asking me legal questions. And I'm the first to admit I'm not a lawyer. Sometimes I know more than I think I should, but a little knowledge will get you in trouble. I try to stay in my lane. And even though I think I might know the answer to something, I always digress to the experts. So I'd like to just jump right in in the sense of, Those common mistakes that you see potential clients making at the very beginning of the process when they're feeling a little bit of confusion or anxiety and sadness, and well, probably nine other 90 or more other emotions, right? And feeling completely overwhelmed. And they're starting to do a little bit of research and maybe consider. the question of, do I need an attorney? Why do I need an attorney? How much is an attorney? How long does this take? Why does it take so long? And perhaps having unrealistic expectations. So what is your best gem of advice for those people in the early stages of divorce or contemplating divorce and how they might be able to avoid making mistakes? So I I think that the biggest mistake that I see people making is that they're unrealistic
1: about their expectations and unrealistic about their spouse. Mm -hmm. And when I say unrealistic about their expectations, They may not understand that, um, notwithstanding that they may have been a stay-at-home mom, that they may need to now go to work. Um, They may not understand that if they were the working executive, that they may end up having to pay child support and spousal support. Um, Perhaps they don't understand how equitable distribution works, and they believe that if it was in my account, it's mine, and if it's in um, his, his or her account, it's hers or his. Um, So I think that those are certainly critical mistakes um, that they make in terms of thinking about how this is all going to turn out. I also think that when I say evaluate who your spouse is, you need to determine what is the right path for you to take. Mm -hmm. So is this a case that can be mediated or is this a case that is likely going to proceed to negotiation and perhaps litigation? Mm -hmm. And I think you really need to evaluate who your spouse is. Do you have as much information about the finances, for example, as your spouse does? do you are you able to advocate for yourself in a room um when your spouse is in that room, so that if you're in a mediation, you can actually advocate for yourself and speak up and feel confident in what you are saying. Or are you the type of person that really shouldn't be in that room and needs to have an advocate and, therefore, should be hiring an attorney? So I think that that's um, some of the mistakes. I also think that people sometimes are unrealistic. They think it's going to be done in five seconds and they've been married, let's just say, for 15, 20, 25 years. And as you know, Paulette, it doesn't happen overnight you know, the more complexity your case has, whether it be custodial issues or financial issues, the longer it's going to take. It's just natural for it to take a long time because your attorney has to make sure that they are covering you in terms of all of the assets and liabilities and income that may be out there.
0: Yes. So when it comes to the question of uh, the numbers, right? So they come to you and they're like, you've got the, you're giving them an education. This could take longer than you think um, because the courts are involved and there's a process. And I don't make up the process. The courts make up the process. This is the law. And by the way, everyone, we pretty much live in 50 little countries. We do, I know we live in the United States of America. If you're Canadian, love you all. And there's a few, you know, many of you out there that aren't in the States, but right, so each state has its unique laws and processes and even verbiage correct um and to make sure that you're not reading you know at three in the morning you're googling a law but it's a law in another state right and that could be very uh confusing or uh sidebar you, pardon the uh, legal term, like get you off to the sidetracked, right? Like, oh, well, I read that online. It's like, yeah, but that's in Nevada and we're in New Hampshire or you're in New York or this is Texas and it, the laws are different. Um, and I also find that sometimes in more urban areas, the courts can be a little bit more uh, tied up. yep and if you live that's in the correct. middle of
1: nowhere, right? Uh, that That is a uh, 100% correct. Particularly now. I mean, the courts are very backlogged now um, because they are still recovering from COVID like everybody else. And, you know, there certainly people's cases take longer. Um, and I think, you know, there's more divorce now as well. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep in mind that there's a court schedule, there is your attorney's schedule, there is also the other attorney's schedule. And then of course there is you and your spouse's schedule. Not easy um in terms of coordination sometimes.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's a complex labyrinth, not just in the external uh, world of divorce, but the internal as in with the courts, right? So you've got people, multitudes, and the more people involved, uh, the trickier it becomes, and the more expensive it can be. So. Now to um, so you d- you brought up some good points. They have unrealistic goals about what it you know, we're gonna sprinkle pixie dust on it and make it look like a Disney movie and make it all have a happy ending and no no disrespect to happy ending. So we'd all love to have um, you know um, the princess walk off with the prince, right the Disney ending, right? but it doesn't always work that way. but I think many people have unrealistic unrealistic goals because they don't really understand, what the likely outcome could be or, sh- or not should but uh maybe as it should or in the eyes of it, it's a it's a it's a legal process so when it comes to child support legal and physical custody division of marital assets and debt don't forget about that one people and this uh you know sometimes a taboo word of alimony have to whisper that one which is now more commonly called our mm, spousal support uh but you know sometimes they Just change the name of things and people aren't going to change the name because, well, people just like that name, alimony. But those are really the meat and potatoes of the decision making, right? And you've got the spreadsheet side of divorce, but you've also got the emotional, psychological, mental, physical, romantic side of love and marriage and divorce. And those two entities don't really. Collide, they're they're separate when it comes to the process and those goals. Now, you mentioned the unrealistic expectation of your spouse. Now, I wish to God there was a meter or some template, right? I know I'm dreaming. And we do have child support worksheets, but we don't have alimony worksheets that we could talk about that later. But you know, I wish there was a, like some litmus test you could give your spouse as to how difficult or secretive or combative or cooperative or authentic or honest they're going to be and there isn't you really have to what questions do you ask when they come like you said you know can you advocate for yourself and that's more like a courage strength thing of feeling resilient and and a sense of confidence but yet if you don't have the numbers and you don't have that information handy you know like at your access then that might also lessen your feeling of confidence
1: so a couple of things number one i'm just going to go back to just say one thing in new york we do have spousal support worksheets
0: Ooh, because I love we that. actually
1: have a statute in new york now the that makes me court, so happy the court has the discretion yes. to um to decide based upon lifestyle and a variety of other factors age health etc that the spousal support will be more than the statutory guideline, so th- that's important to know. And are other states doing that as well, or do you I know? don't know? Because okay. I, you know, I, I practice in New York. I understand. I practice in Connecticut, but I also I'm going to do
0: some research, everyone. So keep listening. But New York does have a worksheet. Yes. yes. So that
1: that's number one. But in terms of being able to um, evaluate your spouse, I think that the thing that that people forget. Mm-hmm. is that your spouse, who your spouse is when you are married and living to them with them and they are part of your team, essentially. And I always think of, right, my spouse is my team, right? Um, may change because now they're going to be going out and getting other team members. And so what you thought about your spouse originally may not be who your spouse is through the divorce because your spouse is going to have an attorney, a therapist, perhaps, a um, an accounting firm, and other support system that you may not have actually counted on. So perhaps your spouse um, wasn't the, the person who um, was out there taking care of the children. And now your spouse is. Because someone has said to your spouse, well, you know, it might be nice if you spend some more time with your children. Because at the end of the day, do you want to be the person who's just paying child support and going to work? Or do you want to actually have time with your children? So there's a lot of factors and changes that people make as they are going through the divorce because they're influenced by other people other than you Mm -hmm. and so that's really important um and and then we've talked about and you raised this that can you be that person in the room to advocate for yourself it's not just can you be the person who speaks up it's that can you speak knowledgeably Do you have all the information? Are you going into a room in a vacuum essentially with no information and your spouse has all that information and you're actually trying to negotiate, but with no information, what good is that? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think a lot of people want to get done and, and, you know, I always liken it to being in the backseat of the car, right? When your kids are in the backseat of the car and they say, when are we going to get there, mom? And or when are we going to get their dad? And it's like, well, we'll get there when we get there. And To some degree that is how divorce goes and if you're trying to to take the short route you may end up actually at the short end of the stick because the short route is really not always the best route and so we find that quite a bit people who have gone through the mediation process or gone through the collaborative law process and then come to us and say either i'm in the you know i'm getting ready to sign it and i didn't know anything or i've signed it worse yet and I, now I found out I gave up all these assets. Well, it's too late. It's just too late. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And having someone who can get you that information and working with that in, that attorney to do that or that accounting firm to do that is really important. Mm.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, I thought of a few other quotes that came to mind when you said that about behavior, right? It's, 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 the, the the complexity and the dynamics and people's demeanor will sometimes shift you know family law is is a unique practice and you know i, I you know you'd have to uh, correct me if I'm wrong to this, but it's much like when people go to medical school and then they decide what type of practice they want to practice, medical practice, right? You go to med school, then you decide you want to be a dermatologist. You don't become a dermatologist and then say, oh, I think I want to go to med school. It's yeah, I know it's like oversimplification, and it's similar with law school, right? You you kind of study law, the overall umbrella of it, and and then there is a delineation and a laser of what type of law you do want to practice. Now, some people practice several forms of of. of niches or uh, shall we say specific types of practices like wills and trusts and maybe they'll do real estate or a little bit. And and the criminal law is a whole nother day at the races, right? So and and that led me to believe, you know, that what was the quote I heard? Criminal law is bad people on their best behavior. And family law is basically good people on their worst behavior. And it may be a very oversimplification, Lisa. I don't know if that I you no, know. No,
1: it's not. I, you know, I I just um I, I was just reading all of the um Kanye West um information, right? And mm-hmm. um and and it's really important. I mean, you know as as many know, Kanye West had several outbursts, right? And they probably weren't productive in terms of a divorce. and um and there were um some, you know, I would say, hate speech that was actually um included. And it became problematic in mm-hmm. his divorce, right? and And it became problematic in so many ways. First of all, um, his divorce lawyer dropped him. And so that's not good. Um, Second of all, he lost a lot of his income during his divorce. And that's not good for anyone. And third of all, it becomes an issue as to whether or not you have impulse control issues, whether you have good judgment, whether you are in the best position to parent your children. And so all of these things that you're talking about um, are so important in terms of how you are presenting yourself during your divorce. So when you're at your worst moment and now you have to present yourself in essentially your best light, right? Or the best light that you can be. And you have to be able to think about the consequences of your actions, including Mm -hmm. how that reflects on you as a parent and as a wage earner, et cetera.
0: Yes. And, you know, all of us are human Um, and even in a perfect marriage, I don't know that there is such a thing because marriage is, what do we say? You know, marriage is hundred percent, hundred percent divorce is 50, 50, right? You both, I know a lot of divorce quotes. So it's a matter of like putting in all of your efforts, but we're human and we have our habits and idiosyncrasies and, you know, little traits and, and quirks. And when you're married and it's a team, you can kind of overlook those things or or, you know, justify them, or dare I say, rationalize them. And people are constantly evolving and becoming better versions of themselves over the course of a marriage. But if divorce is maybe on the horizon, the person who wants to be vindictive or, uh, stating a case for why they should whatever they want, they're going to start to pick apart those little habits and things that you supposedly uh, you know do wrong that they don't like that may work against you. Maybe you drive too fast. Maybe you smoke cigarettes. Maybe you smoke other things. Maybe you buy too many things. Maybe you swear. Maybe you take uh, CBD gummies. That's I, I think it's fine. I'm just saying. People like make. It's crazy that. They Things I hear. They read weird books. And before you know it, your spouse has made this list of horrible things that you do that may or may not work against you. Um, And before, and it starts to make people crazy. Um, Now, some of those habits, like, well, we don't want to use Mr. Yay as an example, but, you know, outbursts of any kind, public or private, are usually going to come back to bite you in a part of your body that you know, you sit on and you should probably be careful about the things you say. And are you entitled to your own private thoughts? Sure. Keep them to yourself. But when you, when you start publicly um, spewing, you know, um, that type of uh, hatred and um, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's going to come back and bite you um, and people are not aware that those worst behaviors uh, can really be a problem. I I think that that's true.
1: I I, look, I think that the question I always say when it comes to custodial manners is, um, can you put your children's best interest First, before your own. That's the question you need to ask yourself when you are doing something. Is that right. best for your children? Not are is am I winning that particular argument or am I losing that particular argument? What's best for my children? That's number one. Right. And number two is, you know, I think you need to be, and this is one of the mistakes that I think people make during a divorce. You have to be honest and forthcoming about your finances. And the reason that you need to do that is because you need to build credibility. You need to be build credibility with your spouse that you are actually disclosing your finances. You need to build credibility in case you're in court so that the judge knows you've disclosed everything. And think about it. You leave off an asset here and an asset there or, you know, you're not honest about your income then you're making your your entire divorce process so much more expensive because then the hunt begins, right? The hunt for the assets, the hunt for the income that is missing, The no stone is going to be left unturned concept here. And this lack of credibility is so important because it actually takes what could be a very straightforward, no matter how complex your divorce is, okay? No matter how complex your divorce is, it can be straightforward if you produce the financial information. and are forthcoming about your finances and work on your net worth statement and actually are honest about it and and the reason i i say this i remember you know i i represented um someone many years ago and i remember he gave me all the documents they were always all really well organized i would send them to the other you know attorney on the other side for the spouse he made it so simple although there was quite a bit in terms of assets and complexity. He answered the questions at the deposition. He didn't, you know, do the, I don't recall a hundred times. If he didn't know it, he got the information, right? These are the things that you really need to do to work with your attorney as, as part of the team. You Mm. need to do that because otherwise you're just making it harder, more expensive. You won't prevail at the end because likely, okay likely i mean look i'm sure people hide assets all the time but likely you will actually find that it has cost you money because that obstructionist behavior that you may think is good to engage in is not something that is going to work for you likely
0: Mm. yes so thank you for that so but not only are you a legal expert and kudos for that you're also a financial expert Uh, So what is a CDFA? And as a CDFA, you have a unique eye on the financial picture. What advantage do people divorcing have when they not only work with a legal expert, but they also work with a financial expert in the realm of divorce? Because there's many, I don't know how many financial experts out there, but there's a lot. So can you educate people on what is a CDFA? Why would you want to work with one? Sure. So first of
1: all, I'm going to say I'm not considered an expert. In New York, we have ethical rules and we say our practice is okay. focused on um, matrimonial and family law. Okay. Um, and the same would be for financial matters. However, you're correct. I do have a CDFA certification, which is, I think, um, critical in terms of going through the finances. So it's it, it really enables me to look at the finances perhaps in a different way. So I always think of The apples and the oranges, right? The apples, when you're talking about splitting up the assets, dividing the assets, you need to be dividing apples to apples, not apples to oranges. So if you've got a Roth IRA, it's not the same as an IRA. Why? Because there are tax advantages, right? You've already paid your taxes on your Roth, but you haven't paid them on your IRA. So you can't just say, hey, there's $100,000 in the Roth IRA and $100,000 in my regular IRA, and we'll just divide it 100 and 100 and we're done. That is a problem. And sometimes people don't recognize that. Mm. There's also issues in terms of capital gains. Do you know? I, I think sometimes attorneys miss some of these very fine financial issues, which a CDFA is, I think, better trained to recognize and spot the issue. So, Someone wants the family home. Okay, but the family home may have millions of dollars of capital gains, right? Because maybe they bought it 20-something years ago, and now it is increased in value. And you may only have, when you're apart from your spouse, a $250,000 deduction. And you may, at some point, sooner than later, decide you're going to sell that because you need the liquidity to actually have that to be able to pay for your expenses. Are you thinking that out? Those are the kinds of conversations that I do have with our clients because mm. I think it's really important. You know, somebody actually said the other day they wanted to um, take the defined pension plan and um, benefit plan and then switch it for the house. Okay, but it's not apples to apples necessarily, right? right so yes. you need to actually be able to recognize that. At what are the tax issues? What are the tax ramifications? What how should certain things be divided? Um, is there enough liquidity to pay support? Is the income going to, are you committing to too much support? Should you be paid more support? Mm. Um, What your expenses look like? Where can you cut back? All of those questions are questions that I
0: think as a CDFA, um, I am well qualified to answer. Mm, beautiful and further dive into that what is the delineation or definition of premarital assets versus marital assets so
1: one of my favorite topics right okay so (laughs) someone comes to me and they say i came into the marriage um as of the date i said i do i had you know several million dollars okay okay so now that's your premarital assets but what did you do with those premarital assets? Did you spend them all? Well, then it's not much I can do about it, okay? Because they don't exist anymore. If you went out to dinner and you vacationed on them, great, nice, you had a great time. Hope you had fun, yeah. (laughs) Hope you had fun, exactly. But if they are now in another asset, if they are if you took those premarital assets for example and you bought the marital home and i can see the tracing of it to the purchase of the marital home i may be able to get what's called a separate property credit for those premarital assets marital assets on the other hand so different than premarital i had it before marriage premarital marital i earned it or i received it other than maybe an inheritance okay I received it during the marriage, okay? So I received it, I earned it, um, and therefore it is a marital asset. Now, if I received it during the marriage and it was an inheritance and I kept it separate and apart, it's likely not going to be a marital asset. It's going to be my separate property asset. So it's not just really about premarital, it's really about separate versus marital assets. Mm-hmm. And that's an important delineation. And then can you trace, and this is where the fun, frankly, is in in being a lawyer, can you trace your separate property assets Mm -hmm. so that you can identify them today and when i say that that's the interesting part i'm always so happy to get someone their separate property assets if they come to me and they are able to trace it right it's it's a very nice feeling to be able to get them what they already came into the marriage with and and frankly what under the law they're supposed to get on the other hand maybe they did some not so smart things with it right because they didn't have prenups or they didn't have post or um any of that and i do recommend that people have prenuptial agreements particularly if they have separate property assets because and premarital assets because that is an added layer of protection for them um you know still you probably don't want to commingle them still you don't want to mix them with marital monies if you can help it but that prenup is so important to protect your premarital assets
0: mm-hmm. Yes, that that term of separate property or separate assets, the argument, and it gets messy when the uh, paper trail is either um, well-meaning many financial institutions will only go back seven years now, right? So to to my knowledge, she's not. Yes. Okay. All right. So if you've been married 30 years and... You know, it's really, if you brought into the marriage a Ford Mustang convertible and it's an antique and it's been sitting in the garage and you had it when you were 20 in college and you still have it near 65 years old, well, it's a premarital asset, right? Because, well, you brought it into the marriage, but you know, if you sold it and then you took some of the funds and you bought your wife a car or you a car or a family car or whatever the hell you did with it. Well, it's going to be a lot harder to prove where the paper trail and the, yes, yes. is that a good example? I'm not sure. Yes,
1: it is a good example. I mean, look, money is fungible to some extent. However, okay, in New York and in some other states, I believe, um, there is equitable distribution of assets. So even if you can't prove dollar for dollar that- you um you know you had the ford mustang or um or the home you know prior to the marriage the apartment which you sold etc there may be other ways of doing it and that's when you know depositions may be helpful discovery may be helpful um you know there there may be other things that can be used tax returns you might be able to show that the money didn't come from any other source that where else could it have come um you know But you're right. When you start to mix your assets, it becomes more complex At not impossible, but much more complex. Sometimes it is impossible. But, you know, again, you have to try because, frankly, you know, there could be a lot at stake.
0: And financial institutions now are putting everything not on paper. You right. know, most everything is now digital or online, and they'll pretty much only let you go back so long. And That's you know, but my, I remember going up to my parents' attic, and my mother had—well, I think it was more my father, but my father was a little more into that he had all these boxes and I was I remember like I was I was afraid to look in them and one day when I was a teenager I was like what the hell is this stuff and they were all the canceled checks with elastic bands around them of course the elastic bands were shot to hell but you know and it went back to I swear to God when my parents met or got married um and they still had every bloody check he was British so I can say that And every register, every bank statement, every mortgage statement, I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. Um, So they probably could have gone back and give some forensic accountant, you know, to trace, oh my, but people don't really do that anymore, Lisa. No, for the most part, they
1: don't. Some people do, but for the most part, they don't. And sometimes they actually are able to find in boxes, et cetera. You know, look, that's one of the things that I would say to people is that they need to actually look. For the documents right Right. they you know sometimes somebody will say to me well i had all these boxes and maybe i should look at them yeah maybe you should (laughs) really we're like at the end of the case i i thought i made it like perfectly clear that you should look at those boxes but we're now at the end of the case and you're first looking at them sometimes it becomes too late to look at them so Mm. look at them now and and i will say and this is probably just a helpful hint if there is documentation That will help your separate property claims you should put it in a very safe place because Mm -hmm. i will say these documents disappear suddenly coincidentally unexpectedly sometimes during divorce and then you can't prove
0: your separate property Mm. i had a case in new york long 20 years a tremendous amount of money with a prenup and they couldn't find the original copy yep Yep. She's and shaking
1: her head, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. It happens. Not only sometimes can they not find the original, they can't find any. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I had a case where um, I, I had a client and um, she had um, some huge, huge mental health issues and the night that she was taken to the hospital, the prenup disappeared. Prenup would have been great for her, just to yeah right. So she always had it in the nightstand next to her bed, gone. So you want to make sure that you keep things um, that that you keep things safe. And it's you. good
0: to have a hard copy safe, and also a digital copy if yes. you have both, right? Yes. So that you're not, you know, just relying on the piece of paper. Or yeah. you, or the digital. you want to have both people, right? Even if you make more. a third copy, right, and laminate it or something, you know, right. put it in a safety deposit box somewhere secure, and be careful who you trust. So I know I yeah. I, I like to keep these interviews pretty really succinct, and you've given so much knowledge, and you know, those of you that are in the New York area and are looking for an exceptional attorney, um, you know reach out to Lisa. I know that she would be more than happy to have a conversation with you because I always say that finding the best attorney is much like dating. You kind of have to go on a few dates until you find the right one. I'm not saying you have to marry them and it, but it's just have coffee, you know, like ask questions, be prepared. What's the demeanor with you? Do you feel like a good jive with them? Like, is there a good energy between the two of you? Can you communicate? Do you feel comfortable with them? If you walk in and and you're intimidated and you feel scared. Um, never mind how you know the rates and all that business. Even if it were free, you know you want to make sure that you really feel that you can go through the the experience and the journey and the process with them because it's not a hey, nice to meet you. How much? Okay, I'll see you next week and next done. It's a it's a relationship. I and mean, those of you that know me, it was eight and a half years that I hung out with my attorney and we got to know each other quite well. After eight and a half years, hi Marty, but um. That that's not the norm people don't panic but you at least want to you know not dread the phone call, the emails and those visits, because it is a relationship and and you're going through it together. You know, as a divorce coach, I joke and say, I'd get divorced if for you if I could, but it's not legal. So I get divorced with you, but you know, you really do get divorced with your attorney, right? It is, it's a relationship. You lock arms and, it, and it's a, it's a team, right? You're, you're there to advocate for each other. So don't be afraid to reach out, make some phone calls, make some appointments, even if you have to pay for a, A consultation fee. It's worth it. You know, they'll they'll you use your time wisely. Don't just sit there and talk about the weather, you know, but use the time efficiently and effectively because they're really going to want to be there to support you. And they'll be the first to say, listen, I don't think this is a case I can handle or want to handle, or if it's a conflict or whatever. But you're at least gathering your facts, right? Like having that person that you feel like, wow, that was a great meeting. I really want to work with that person versus, oh my God, when can I leave? Exactly. Yeah. Now, I know you can't give me an an answer probably, but I'm going to ask. So if you had to estimate now in 2022, how long is the typical divorce taking? A year and a half to two years. Did you hear that people? A year and a half to two years. Now, one more question. What it, how much is the average divorce costing? I know, I know. It
1: depends, right? It really depends. You know, divorces could be done probably for under, um, I would say under 50,000. If they, if everybody is super cooperative in the end, and it's relatively simple, but once you get into business valuations or custodial issues, you are um, you know, you were talking hundreds of thousands of dollars easily, hundreds. And and it's just a reality. I mean, divorce is expensive and not to scare anybody. It, it just is. I mean, a divorce can certainly, if you're going to have, um, you know, complex custodial issues, complex financial issues, you could be 300 dollars dollars $500,000. I mean, there are, it, it is not unheard of.
0: Yes, I'm shaking my head if you're listening to the audio. She is not lying. She is not exaggerating, not even in the slightest bit. So there are alternatives to litigating. Don't panic, you know. Um, That's one of the reasons I founded Better Divorce Academy and I also wrote Better Divorce Blueprint. There are things you can do early to learn as much as you can to be prepared and organized and have those documents. And being a reputable professional advocate for your uh, attorney so that when they ask you for things and you don't just go, you know what I'm doing everyone so you you've got to say oh I may not have that but let me you know get on it because time is money even sending an email back and forth can be a couple hundred bucks so you know be efficient I always say keep a little pad of paper on your nightstand or on your phone and it should be questions for attorney and don't don't send an email until you've got at least 10 and then maybe you can get them into the little more succinct cute little list with bullet points so so that you're not wasting their time and your money. And they'll also like working with you better because you're going to be prepared and you're going to be that on point client versus that headache that really is making them crazy. Um, and also that if you're working with me, you should have a second pad of paper that says questions for Paulette, because chances are, uh, you know, your divorce coach or your mediator, because chances are, we could discuss some of those confusions or points so that we now can be more efficient with what exactly was that. Yeah. I think I answered my own question versus I need an answer to this because it's truly a legal issue, right? So um, I hope this has been helpful, everyone. Lisa, thank you for your time. You are bright and beautiful and uh, just such an advocate for those that want to divorce wisely with grace and dignity because having an, okay, I won't use the word expert anymore, a um, a seasoned professional um, who, uh, you know, zeroes in on a certain niche or aspect of their, profession of their expertise, right, might be the better way to put it. So make sure you're working with somebody that wants to work with you, that loves what they're doing and can really help you get the outcome that you deserve and desire. And with that said, how can people find you, Lisa? What is the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: So I have a um, website and blog. It is lisaziderman.com and they can certainly find me there. They can also email me at lz at mzw-law.com. And they can call 914-455-1000.
0: Beautiful. And all of that will be in the show notes on the podcast. So don't feel like if you don't have a pen, you're doomed. Uh, You can just go on there and copy and paste it into wherever wherever you keep your little notes. So, hey, everybody, you know, divorce is not fun, but it can be better it can be done wiser, it can be done more efficiently when you feel prepared, not only financially and legally, but also just emotionally so that you're walking through it with your head held high, shoulders back, standing up tall and not cowering in the corner in tears. So make sure you have the right people. Um, I'm here to help you. Always know that betterdivorceacademy.com is a resource for you to find the right answers to the right questions. If I don't know the answer, I know someone that does. So until next time, keep thriving in the chaos. Thank you. Are you ready to explore a part of yourself that has been lost? Are you feeling stuck repeating habits due to a breakup or divorce? Are you ready to stop allowing others to control you and make your decisions for you? Are you ready to create a new chapter of your life that is more beautiful, more fulfilling than you ever dreamed possible? Do you need a change of scenery? If you nodded your head, then you are ready for the retreat of a lifetime. Transformation in Tuscany. This coming April 22nd to the 29th, 2023 with me. Imagine a private hilltop 17th century villa with only 11 other like-minded women exploring all the Tuscany has to offer you. The Tuscan sun, play, culture, art, architecture, food, And did I mention the wine? Hey, and the men aren't hard on the eyes either. Join Tierra Womack and I as we personally guide, coach, and inspire you to reawaken a part of your lost journey. Don't miss out. This retreat is carefully curated to accommodate only 12 sacred souls. From the moment you arrive in Florence, we take care of everything. Go to betterdivorceacademy.com and get on the list now. Thanks for joining me today. If you were inspired by today's episode, please share it with a friend or a loved one. My hope is you feel empowered to take some action, no matter how big or small. Action that allows you to step out of the chaos and thrive on your own terms. If this podcast added any value to your day, please review it on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time. Keep thriving in the chaos.